Brethren, I invite you to turn in your copies of the Scriptures to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Our text today will be verses 14 through 16, though I'll begin my reading at verse 13. I'll also be reading from Matthew 4, 12 through 17, and John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 44 through 46. At each, at each section, I'll make mention of that particular passage, so you can turn there with me if you'd like. But we'll begin in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, the Lord's Sermon on the Mount, in verse 13. Hear once again the very words of God. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And now from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time... Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then from John's Gospel, chapter 12, beginning in verse 44. Then Jesus Christ cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, as we come to this truth that you have proclaimed very clearly in the Gospels and in the the epistles that we find in the New Testament, that Jesus Christ came as light into a dark world, we pray today that that light would shine in our minds and hearts more clearly, that we might understand the ramifications of Christ being the light of the world and how he has called us out of darkness to live as children of the light. And so, Father, we pray your blessings upon the word today as it confronts us, that we would put aside the darkness that we so easily and so quickly turn to and embrace the light that Christ has brought into our lives by and through your Holy Spirit. Illumine your scriptures to us even now through the Spirit, Lord. We ask this in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus, the light of the world, and amen. Well, brethren, in this season of Advent, we acknowledge and celebrate the light of the gospel, the light of the kingdom of God, the light of men, the light of lights the God-man Jesus Christ coming to the world who said of himself, I am the light of the world. The light of God came to pierce the darkness, 
to illuminate things that had been obscured by darkness and to cast out darkness where it did not belong. Undeniably, the Scriptures teach us that where God is absent, darkness abides. Where God is absent, darkness abides. Whether it be in the hearts of men or in cities or nations, whether it be in your homes or your businesses, when God is absent, darkness prevails. This truth, again, is undeniable from the Scriptures. But so is the obverse of that coin, the obverse being the opposite side, where God is, light prevails. Light prevails. So today I want us to consider the importance of the light of the world, our Savior Jesus Christ in our lives, and how He has called us to be light to the world. We have just read from three different passages where Jesus speaks of Himself and those who believe on Him as being light to the world. And I want to consider these passages in reverse order. I want to begin in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 44 through 46, and then go to Matthew 4, 12 through 17, and then finally, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. And thus, these three passages become our outline for today. So the first passage, John chapter 12, 44 through 46, is that Jesus came to illuminate a dark world. Let me read that passage again. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. Obviously, Jesus is talking about the Father. Then in verse 46, I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Brethren, the Scriptures teach us that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And here we see another great principle of the Scriptures, and that principle being that God is sovereign over all that He has created, including time, space, light, darkness, and most importantly for us men and women, He is sovereign over our lost souls. For us, our souls remain in outer darkness unless and until God intervenes. Blindness prevails with us, and unless God intervenes, that blindness will remain. This reminds me of God calling Moses to go to Egypt to lead his people out of bondage. Moses argues with God saying, in essence, that he wasn't the right man for the job. He complained that he was of slow speech and a slow tongue. Hear what God's words say in response to Moses' complaint. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. Brethren, God is the governor of of all that comes to pass. He makes those who see and those who are blind, and he does so for his own glory and purposes. So when Jesus says, I have come as a light into the world 
that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. God's sovereign will is to be dispensed in darkness, the darkness of this world, with the light of salvation personified in his Son, our Lord Jesus. God says, I'll take care of darkness. I'll send the light of the world to dispense that darkness. It is unfortunate that we men and women who are lost in the darkness of sin and depravity, it's unfortunate that that we love darkness more than light, the Scriptures teach us. Jesus spoke very succinctly when he said, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. And this we read in John's Gospel, chapter 3. So absent God's actions to dispense the darkness in which we abide, we would remain forever in that darkness, not knowing the depravity in which we exist. It is like the fish in the vastness of the sea. As long as he remains in that watery existence, he has no idea the dangers of being out of the water. His existence is in water. He doesn't understand what dangers lurk out of the water. And while man remains in the darkness of sin and its depravity, man's existence without light is completely unknown. He doesn't realize the dangers that lie before him, absent the light. And what dangers are those? Eternal damnation. We are blind to the effects of the light until God intervenes in us and changes our sight, changes our hearts, changes our minds. Again, Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Jesus pierces the darkness with an everlasting light It is both a voluminous light as much as it is a laser beam targeted at those on whom the Father has chosen for redemption. It's a voluminous light and yet a very specific light shown to men whom the Father has chosen. It is no accident that the proclamation of the arrival of the Son of God took place in a flood of light with the angelic host to the shepherds on the hillside. That was the flood of light. Yes, they were struck to the point where they, they humbled themselves. An angel of light had come to declare a good thing. Nor was it an accident that those afar off in another country were led by a star to our Savior's dwelling place, a very specific light for a very specific place. Consider also the account of the man Simeon in Jerusalem. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, To do for him according to the custom of the law, 
he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Note the next statement. And a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon says, this is the light to bring the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. Jesus came as a light and was made known to us by the light of God's creation. And this brings us to our second passage for this morning. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. Jesus is indeed a light to the Gentiles. Immediately following Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness when Satan tempted Jesus to sin, we read these words describing the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the peoples of the world. In chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, we read, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came to and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness... The people who sat in darkness there have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the Scriptures say. Apart from God's covenanted people, the Gentiles of the world remained in large measure in the darkness described here. They were beyond the light of the gospel. But Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, went to a place where both the covenanted people of God, Naphtali and Zebulun, as well as the Gentiles, lived to bring the gospel to both the covenanted people of God and the Gentiles. We Gentiles who sat in darkness, the Scriptures say, have seen a great light. Again, by God's sovereign mercy on those who were in darkness, Jesus came and was made manifest. He lived in the shadow of death, But now the light has dawned for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus began his earthly ministry in the outer reaches of Israel, where both Jews and Gentiles lived, as I mentioned before, so that the light of the world might be shown on all men. Remember that the angel of the Lord proclaimed this very thing to the shepherds on the day of his birth. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Jesus came to erect a kingdom that was to dispense and dispel darkness and manifest the light of righteousness in God the Son. And this is declared by Matthew in his Gospel, chapter 4, verse 15. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
the kingdom of light. The eternal light of the kingdom of God can be possessed. But to possess that light, one must repent first. That was Jesus' message to the world. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. If you desire to be part of that kingdom, you must begin with repentance. For those who do repent and believe in the light of the world, you become a light to the world as well. A lesser light, but nevertheless a light to the world. And this brings us to the teaching of our Lord in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. He's speaking to those who believed in the Son, who had embraced the Savior, Jesus Christ. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Brethren, for those who have believed on the Son of God, Jesus our Savior, who first personified light to the world, we have taken on His light in this world. We cannot be touched by Jesus and not be affected. We cannot be touched with that light and it not affect us. Such was the case with the woman in Matthew chapter 9 who touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed. Those who are illumined by the light of the gospel possess that light for eternity. And when the decree of God the Father brings the light of salvation to the world in the person of His Son, and when God the Holy Spirit illumines our hearts and minds with the salvific work of the Son, the light of the Son indwells us, and we become children of the light. The Apostle Paul wrote of these very things in his letter to the Ephesians. We find this in chapter 5. For you were once in darkness. Actually, it actually says, for you were once darkness. You were darkness. You were the personification of darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. This is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light." We were once the personification of darkness, as Paul describes, but now we are light in our Lord Jesus. And our Lord's words encourage us not to hide our light under a basket, but to let it shine before men that, we may, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So this prompts a question. How is it that we can obscure the light in which we have been saved? How can we obscure that light, hiding it under a basket? Paul's words give us 
some understanding. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And let us be reminded, brethren, what the fruits of the Spirit are from Galatians, another of Paul's epistles. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brethren, the shining light of the Gospel is displayed to the world by the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And when these fruits are exhibited in our lives, the light of the Gospel shines before men. When we exhibit these things to those in darkness, the light of Jesus Christ penetrates that darkness and the kingdom of God is made manifest. What then is the response of that person who is in darkness to the fruits of the Spirit? Well, they will either repent or continue to embrace the darkness. But we must never forget God is sovereign. If they are His children, He will call them out of that darkness and they will see that light that we proclaim before them. Now, before we conclude, I want us to consider one of the lesser lights that was evident in Christ's kingdom for much of the last century and the beginning of this century. Let me think, let me draw your attention back to creation. God made two lights, a greater light for the day in creation, and then the lesser light, the moon, and the stars, even lesser still, lights to hang in the heavens in the midst of darkness. God always gives light in the midst of darkness. He always shines forth light in darkness. And over the last, the end of the last century and the beginning of this century, there was a a lesser light that shone for the kingdom of God in great measure. And just as the Scriptures teach that God made one great light to illumine the day and made the lesser lights to illumine the night, He has made us lesser lights in this one person that I'm thinking of in particular. And I want us to consider that lesser light just for a moment that was shining in His kingdom. And still shines, I might say. And I'm referring to Dr. Robert Charles Sproul, who passed from the church militant to the church triumphant just three days ago. R.C., as most of us knew him, was a man who did not hide his light under a basket but let it shine before men that his Father in heaven might be glorified. His contributions to the kingdom of God were and are immense. Few men can match his contributions. But I believe one of his contributions stands above all the others. You must understand that R.C. lived in a time 
when the evangelical church in North America was rejecting the inerrancy and infallibility of the Holy Scriptures. R.C. left the United Presbyterian Church around 1975 and began devoting much of his time to the crafting of the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy, which was embraced by most of the evangelical church in 1978. I believe that was his greatest contribution. He wasn't the only author, but he was one of its primary authors. His light was instrumental in bringing into clear focus the primacy of the Word of God. What greater glory could he have brought to the person of God the Father? R.C. was a providential light in a time of darkness, and he did not waver by hiding his light under a basket. He loved his Lord, and that love shined forth in his work. He let it shine for the glory of God, proclaiming the inerrancy and infallibility of the Holy Scriptures. May we follow in His footsteps, but more importantly, may we follow in the footsteps of our Savior Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that you might dispense and dispel darkness for the glory of the Father. Let us pray.